hope that uh, my sound is okay because there is literally a marathon going on outside of my window. <laughs> wow. What you need to do is open your window and yell, you're all winners. <laughs> all right. Should we get going? Yeah, might as well. Not, to, not to rush us along with our normal 20 minutes of bullshit, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a busy weekend in the Murphy household. There's Ooh. like the, the Nutcracker is going on. And so Colleen is on her. Let me see if we count the Thursday dress rehearsal, Thursday, Friday, <laughs> Saturday. She's on her fifth and final performance of the Nutcracker, the one that Declan and I are going to. And uh, I might be able to shower before it, which would be great. Nice. OK, yeah. Appearance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I was finally able to shower last night. Uh, for the first time in about four, maybe five days. Damn. Uh, due due to just my sheer uh, reluctance in doing so. <laughs> yeah, you just weren't <laughs> like into I, it. Yeah, I just I just didn't feel like doing it. <laughs> you know, it's just a uh, just a bit of self loathing here. I'm like, I don't wanna. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't deserve to be clean. <laughs> I but... love not showering, <laughs> and this is the time of year for it. You know, I mean, when you it have, is. Like, it is. You're not sweating. Yeah. yeah. Have you? Are you, you starting your your week of days off or was that why you weren't showering uh no that's not even until next week oh okay next week okay i wasn't sure <laughs> well no i mean because uh, i i work monday through thursday this week then i'm taking off friday and then the 19th through the 23rd is my week of days off there you go so i, and then I, I just you do I just not didn't want to shower the 24th is a saturday i forgot <laughs> like tell me you're not working Christmas Eve because I've certainly been at stations where I worked, you know, where I was forced to work on Christmas Eve. Yeah, well, like it's Christmas Eve day. You're doing yeah. a morning show. <laughs> exactly. You're out of there by one anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That that shit. <laughs> that bullshit. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I I love not showering, and and I love my current schedule where I don't shower on Tuesdays and Thursdays because I'm working from home. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I just feel like it's it's better for your skin, you know. And people oh, say for that. Sure. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, less less hot water on your yeah. skin is is absolutely good. But the thing is, is like I'm just totally out of my normal shower routine because I haven't been going to the gym, and, and that's uh, that's one hundred percent the reason. You know, if yeah, I if just... I get back to the gym, I'll totally get back into the swing of you know showering like a normal functioning human being. Yeah, when you get stinky again. Yeah, when I but get until... nice and stinky. Yeah. Until you get stinky again, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 4, Episode 9. Is this the penultimate episode of Season 4? Is that is it another 10 episode? Yes. Oh my yes, gosh. It is. They're, they're all 10 episodes. <laughs> they're all 10. Yeah, I thought so. I was like, I didn't know if they snuck a twelve in there or something, but that's it. it I don't did not... think so. I no, think I it's don't think, all I, ten. Yeah, um, and it's just funny that this did not feel like a second to last episode, <laughs> um, and 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 makes me think that. Oh, were, were you were you wondering and hoping that we got literally anything to do with any of the season long arcs? <laughs> yes, I mean, I, I, was. I, I, I guess we did get something to do with one of the season long arcs, but not like anything to do with. Larry being in a fucking musical. I'm at wondering all. if they're if because they, they like, just kind of dropped that off. Yeah, and I know it comes back, and I'm like, does it come back for one episode, and then next season is totally different, or is next season all the producers, and this one was just kind of setting up that I I don't even know. Well, I, we'll uh, I, I there is one thing I do want to point out. It's literally not going to be until the end of the episode when I okay. get into next week's okay. episode description. That I that I want to that I want to 
uh, cover, but okay, all right, yeah, let's let's get into this. Okay, uh, before we get into the survivor, let's talk about uh, the homework from our previous episode, Wandering Bear. We wanted to do a little shallow dive on Girls Gone Wild because Jeff and Larry are oh so horny for the infomercial that Ted and I. <laughs> Um, not just not just girls gone wild <laughs> oh yes college girls college gone wild. girls gone wild uh and so we just kind of wanted to see where girl where the girls gone wild empire was around 2004 it was seven years after its founding uh oh. and and wikipedia credits joe francis as creating the adult entertainment franchise uh in 97 and fast forward to february of 2013 the company filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy which I did not, I don't remember hearing about, but it was almost 10 years ago. So, um, and in 2014, I don't know what ever became of this, but the company was sold to Bang Brothers. Oh, or, no. Or do you say it Bang Bros? Because it, it's it, it's B-R-O-S, it, period. It, it's you, bros. It, you it's bros? Say bros? Okay. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm used to like <laughs> Mario Bros being Mario Brothers, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's no, a, it's, it, a, it's, it's just Bang Bros. Bang Bros, okay. I was like, is that, a, is that a sentence ending period or an abbreviation ending period? So, you know what? I'm happy to, not not to denigrate it's you both. at all, Ted. It's both, it's both in that, actually. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, no, it's just one. In Mario Brothers, it would be both, but in this, it's only one because it's Bang Bros, right? Yeah, well, it's. I mean, yeah. it's also en- ending the sentence of they were sold to Bang Bros, but yeah, it's also yeah. an abbreviating because, well, I guess. Well, well Bros. Yeah, is, I guess you're right. It's, yeah. it's just it's just the sentence ending. Yep, yeah, I was just wrong. a sentence you're ending right. period. And and not to denigrate you, but I'm 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 okay with not knowing that it was Bang Bros <laughs> and not Bang Brothers. I'm okay with screwing that up. <laughs> Ted, quick to correct me, Bang Brothers, you idiot! God. No, you still got it wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> that one was pure virtue signaling. That one was. Um, <laughs> no, that was. <laughs> Next, you're going to tell me you don't recognize the casting couch in those memes. Um, in 2001. Okay, let's go back, though, before Bang Bros entered the chat. In 2001. The company sold 4.5 million videos and DVDs, and by the end of 2002, the company had produced 83 different titles and had begun airing 30-minute infomercials on E!, Fox Sportnet, BET, Comedy Central, uh, Tech TV, Style, and all other major U.S. networks. So 2004, you might say, is still the height of of their power. You know when this yeah. when this was probably filmed in 2003, going and airing in 2004. There's, um, I'm guessing there was like no specific breakdown on like how many VHSs they were selling versus how many DVDs we they were selling because like it's 2004 and Larry and Jeff are super excited and buying a video cassette. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I was already switching. I had already switched over to DVDs definitely by that time. Like. You know, begrudgingly rebuying stuff that I had on VHS because I, I, you know, and stuff like that. Um, So it it is weird that, especially these rich guys, because normally they're like early adopters. They're like, oh, what, this, a DVD player is $500? Well, I want the latest technology, you know, before it hits real consumer grade pricing. That's that's who buys. Larry's never been that type of person. Yeah. He seems to be just happy watching live network tv <laughs> yeah and that's it that's the only thing he watches he watches news and he watches live network television yeah yeah if it's not on live he missed it like there's no there's no need to like own a movie that you want to watch again or anything um 
so according to media TNS Media Intelligence, I don't know what that is, but some sort of you know research house or something. Girls Gone Wild spent more than twenty one million dollars in advertising in two thousand three, becoming the largest advertiser for programs on the E Channel. So they were the <laughs> E Channel's largest advertiser. Oh my god. Which it's is gonna be an interesting Christmas gift to your to your advertiser. <laughs> yeah. And in 2008, Joe Francis's net worth was about 150 million dollars. God damn. I know. God damn. All right. Uh, in 2003, however, so let's talk about a little bit of the downfall of Girls Gone Wild. The Department of Justice filed a complaint against Girls Gone Wild, and I did not know this because I never called and ordered one of the tapes, but. <laughs> The company, what you did when you ordered a Girls Gone Wild tape was you were signing up for a subscription. And they were going to mail you another DVD. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know this. Well, evidently not a lot of people did, because, and that's why the U.S. Department of Justice (laughs) filed the complaint against them, alleging that they were failing to notify customers that when you purchased subscriptions under a, you were were buying a subscription under a continuity program, not a single DVD. So Larry was going to get another one of those videos to his office and charged... Way more than the introductory price. I bet those were like forty bucks or something. I wouldn't oh, be yeah, surprised. Oh yeah, forty. Got to yeah. be forty or fifty, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, which I didn't. I never knew that. <laughs> uh, well, maybe. I mean, that was in two thousand three. So maybe by the time Jeff and Larry, uh, maybe they had stopped that practice. By the time Jeff and Larry got around to ordering, <laughs> they they were, they were down to like just buying single single videos and single DVDs. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. Um, so they've been involved in several lawsuits, as you might imagine, from women that you know said they failed to give consent, and they usually come out unscathed. Girls Gone Wild does. Uh, in January of 2015, though, Joe Francis agreed to settle a 2003 lawsuit. So 12 years in the court system—that is insane—which involved allegations of him taping the exposed breasts of underage girls as part of Girls Gone Wild content. The 2015 civil settlement also involved Francis agreeing to serve. 336 days in jail after accepting a no contest plea to criminal charges of child abuse and prostitution. So I guess that's probably around the time when, and you know, the proliferation of the internet and stuff like that as well, I'm sure. But um, yeah, just, just some extra, just a little shallow dive there on the rise and fall of girls gone wild. What was the TNT documentary we found on? Oh God. Shame, rich and shameless. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Larry mentions that Wandering Bear is immune to poison oak, and he says it kind of matter-of-factly that because he's a Native American, oh yeah, he's he's immune to it. And we were both like, "What is that? Something people think about Native Americans? Is it is it true?" Um, so I found a couple of websites out there from like kind of holistic medicine bloggers. This one uh, from Mark Warren Brooks, who. It, his his blog is called Medicine Bow, a primitive school of earth lore in the North Georgia mountains. So opposite coast, but he does he does mention that I didn't know this. Most of us are born into this world immune to poison ivy. Hmm. Um, again, Larry was talking about poison oak, but kind of the same thing. Uh, but that can change at any time, even well into adulthood. When that happens, it must almost it almost always means that the allergy lasts for the rest of your life. However, there are contrary claims. Some people who, as a child, got a severe rash allegedly develop an immunity. As adults and others, like those of African descent, may never become allergic. And he says, contrary to rumor, Native Americans are allergic to poison ivy. Though there may be a risk involved for certain people, many outdoor enthusiasts create an annual immunity to poison ivy by eating the newly opened leaflets once a week for seven to nine weeks. He says, I have been using this method for decades. So when the new crop of 
poison ivy starts popping up that season, wherever you, you know, happen to be in the woods, you grab one of the leaves and you eat it. Oh and, my God. and then you're immune to, so if you're like an outdoorsy woodsy person, I, I he says it works. I mean, we it don't recommend like a good way to die. <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. Or yeah. Get a rash on your intestines or something. <laughs> Oh, how'd you get a how'd you get a rash on the inside of your asshole? <laughs> well, you see, I ate some fresh poison oak. Why the fuck would you do that? <laughs> when I'm immune, you'll you won't be laughing at me and my itchy asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but Mark has been using this method for decades, so you know your mileage might vary. In uh, this blog, so a little closer to where Larry and Cheryl reside, Jack Elliott's Santa Barbara Adventure says the Chumash Native American tribe used poison oak medicinally in an effort to cure a host of ailments. Early California mission documents mention the use of poison oak that were very effective in healing wounds. And the juice or sap that flows from young stems was also used to stop bleeding. A Franciscan priest in San Luis Obispo in the early 19th century noted that he witnessed powdered poison oak used to heal the severe wounds of a man who suffered a bear attack. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Uh, and and the poison oak healed him. So according to, uh, who's this author? Um, Jan Timbrook in Chumash Ethnobotany said, the historic populations of Chumash were largely immune to poison oak's rash-causing poison. While visiting, he uses the word Indians, uh, while visiting Indians from other regions were often highly allergic. Immunity apparently waned in later generations, among whom presumably traditional medicinal practices were no longer used and there was less exposure to the plant in the wild. The Mahuna Indians of California steeped dried poison oak roots in water and drank the resulting uh, decoction, he says, as a preventative against future allergic reaction to the plant. To obtain immunity, the Toloa ate the youngest leaves in early spring just as they began to form and sprout, just like Mark What's-His-Face did. Uh, So uh, evidently, it wasn't necessarily a natural immunity, although the Chumash, it sounds like, kind of did have a natural immunity but but maybe it was it sounds like it's a what what do they call it um an exposure immunity yeah. you know it's just like your body is like all right well we're not going to stop running into this plant so we might as well just stop <laughs> freaking out every time it happens <laughs> um and and as older generations moved out of the forest and and started taking you know western medicine um you know that that immunity waned so i'm going to say myth plausible on this one it sounds like from my brief research on the matter, um, that, that the evidence is out there that through one way or another, maybe not natural, maybe not like because I am Native American, I am immune to this. It just just generationally over the years that some tribes were immune to poison oak and poison ivy and stuff like that, uh, amazingly enough. So Larry, for once, his uh, his stereotyping <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, was accurate. Um, what about we noticed when... Larry goes to see Marvin. He gives him the Everlast condom. And I was able to see that it said Everlast on the label. I was like, well, I thought they were just like making up that name. And so I wasn't able to find much information about the 2004 version. But Lifestyles brand condoms do make the Everlast Intense premium lubricated latex condom still on sale to this day. Uh, And I I found this in my uh, Google searching. It says... New look, same great product. So <laughs> I'm guessing that I, I did. I was I was able to find a like lifestyles went through a new product and reboot and rebranding in 2016, and that's when they introduced this product. So I'm thinking that like 
in 2004, the Everlast was a brand that included the the numbing agent that would help you go all night or whatever. And then in 2016, they they sort of reintroduced it with this Everlast Intense, which included like studs on the outside and stuff like that. Um, just <laughs> oh, extra, Jesus Christ! Yeah, extra extra features. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, metal got, studs. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's got rhinestones on it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, you know, you know, everyone's leather jackets with those spikes that you see outside of a out of, yeah. outside of a punk show. It's got that. <laughs> yeah, and and it plays um, for your a, dick. It plays a modified version of what it's like by Everlast. They <laughs> oh, signed Jesus a Christ. they signed a co op deal there. <laughs> I did. I had totally forgotten that 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 was that dude's name until I was googling. And I was like, why is it? Because I, you know, I have a tr- I have to try a bunch of different phrases, and I think when I put in Everlast condoms two thousand four is when it brought up like, oh, you must want to know about Everlast and his song, What It's Like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know what? Thank you, Google. I did want to listen to that again. That is one we we were talking a couple weeks ago about pop songs that just like insist upon themselves. You know, they're like, you may not like it at first, but like eventually it's just going to be a part of your brain and what it's like. I remember that had the same lifespan as far as I was like, God, this song blows. And then I was like, uh, all right, I guess it's not that bad. Like, and then it just became something that I would not change the station when it came on, you know, or whatever. Cause I, I was working, I believe at a skating rink at the time when it came out, it couldn't have come out in 2004, but whenever it did come out, um, yeah, I was, I was hearing it a ton because I was, you know, playing it a lot. Uh, so what about unveiling? Larry tells Antoinette to uh, I, I think this is that's part of the lie that he wants to tell Jeff Smalls or whoever the guy he wants to cancel lunch with that he's going to his mother's unveiling. Mm-hmm. And we, we were like, what is that? Uh, so I was able to actually find, unlike testimonial, what is an unveiling? So it is Jewish tradition to set a permanent and conspicuous grave marker as soon as possible following burial at a minimum prior to the one year anniversary of death. An unveiling may take place at any time after the burial and is encouraged prior to the one-year anniversary. The unveiling ceremony is a comforting modern-day custom. However, an unveiling is not required, nor is it Jewish law. It is a time to gather with family and friends to reflect, reminisce, and pay respect to the deceased. It's usually a simple and brief gathering, which may consist of psalms, readings, brief comments, a eulogy, removing the veil. So literally, like, the gravestone is put up, and then... It's it's literally unveiled, like a portrait might be or something, you know, and everybody comes to you know back to see and stuff like that. Uh, so that's uh, that's it. So you um, said there's a, there's a temporary marker put there until the the permanent headstone. No, it says it it, it should be permanent, like right away. But okay, if, okay. But oh I guess yeah, if you can't, if the funeral is at the temple instead of at the gravesite or whatever maybe that's you know maybe they don't have services out at graves or something like that um you know everybody comes back to see the gravestone unveiled but it does seem like a it does seem kind of odd that like you know any, anybody can go see it whenever they want but then they also have this unveiling i don't know um <laughs> it is yeah it's just it's separate from the funeral though i'm getting the impression um the dv uh, so that's all the homework that we had amazingly enough and i forgot to do it until this morning and i think i did a pretty damn good job considering that (laughs) (laughs) um but uh, i did find another little bit of trivia the dvd version of this episode is slightly shorter than the one originally broadcast on hbo and the one we saw so don't worry ted we Mm. saw the original cut because 
what is removed on the DVD is the scene where Larry and Jeff watch Girls Gone Wild. And it was edited out of the DVD at the request of Larry David. Really? And weird. Very, very weird. Yeah. Uh, wh- wh- why did, did it say anything about why he requested that it get left out? No idea. No okay. idea. Okay. Maybe the, I mean, uh, the, it, I, it's a it's a pretty central plot point in your episode, but like, yeah. no, we, we we can't can't play the audio. That's too far. And yeah. I I doubt it was even like the real audio. I'm I'm sure it was just like a couple of PAs. Like, hey, yeah, do you want to lift up your shirt? <laughs> oh yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I don't I'm even. Sure, remember I'm sure it was just something like that, right? It. Yeah, I don't even remember when they're watching it, what you hear or what, because you do see the infomercial, but I don't think you see anything on the screen when he's when he and Jeff no. started up. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have no idea. It'd be interesting to to compare the two. Exactly. Honestly, I, now I kind of wish it was like a an old school like uh, season one or two uh seinfeld era adr where it's larry yeah. david's voice like yeah, yeah. hey lift up your shirt and it's larry just like david la- as larry, Francis. La- larry david doing both roles and then yeah. larry also just screaming as as the woman like oh yeah <laughs> oh god that'd be so been bad but also <laughs> incredibly hilarious yeah, so that that's kind of weird. If you have the DVD, please uh, pop it in and, and let us know. <laughs> not College Girls on Wild. If you have the yes, no, no, yeah. do not do not watch that. I mean, you can uh, give watch, us a review watch. of College Girls on Wild too. You know, let us. Yeah, let if you if you want, we'll invite you on for uh, a Patreon review of it. <laughs> yeah, we, we can be watch great it together. We, on, we can watch it together on Zoom. That would be great if we found a movie that we wanted to watch and like we found out one of the connections was. <laughs> This girl it was Girls Gone Wild. <laughs> like oh, she's in this movie, Christ. and she's uncredited Girls Gone Wild participant in Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know, oh <laughs> like she went on to become God. an actress. <laughs> oh, that'd be pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, so that is all from homework and trivia and tidbits and stuff. Let us now consult the book. In this episode. Curb's executive producer, Larry Charles's assistant, Tanya Oscanian, describes how she inspired the assistant storyline, saying, I broke up with my boyfriend of seven years and came to work and was randomly bawling. I was a mess for a week. It got to the point where Larry Charles was getting me coffee and not asking me to do a single thing for him. He told Larry <laughs> David he thought it would be a good story for Antoinette. I remember standing in the kitchen one day and saying to Larry, I hear you using my story for an episode. We were literally standing by the water cooler, and he was like, this is how I got half my ideas for Seinfeld. Yeah, real life. That's, uh, yeah, we knew that, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, um, And then we have an interview with Larry David's assistant, Laura Fairchild, who has worked with him for seven years by the printing of this book, which ends at season six. So whenever, oh, yeah, it's on the back. Uh, I thought it was on the back or something. Probably inside the front cover, maybe. Yeah, let me see, because I know we had... Whatever the copyright date is. 2006. Okay. Yeah. So 2006. So she started so working for him. Yeah. In 99. 99. Um, what was your job interview with Larry like? Well, Larry was trying to manage his neck and back pain at the time. So he was wearing a magnet around his neck and arms. Then at one point he looked over at his arm and goes, oh, I'm bleeding. He called in his assistant and she got him a bandage. He must have picked a scab. Gross. Uh, <laughs> what do you think cinched it? We were shooting at the Playboy Mansion this past season, and somebody on the set asked Larry, what made you want to hire Laura? And he said, I sensed discretion. Ah, yes, secrecy. We know that Larry David, the actor, and I guess the man, are both big on him not wanting to know, people wanting to know anything about him. 
Um, and I, I can also sense it going in the other way. Larry doesn't want to know anything about anybody else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, that's true. I, you've seen the meme of like everything I know about, like say for example, Kim Kardashian yeah. is against my will. <laughs> yes, that, Larry seems like that type of person. Just for you know. People that would be his closest friends and his employees and coworkers. Yeah, everything, everything... I know about my receptionist is against my will. <laughs> everything Larry knows about anybody who's not Larry David is against his will. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, himself and his wife. I yeah. Think. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> not everything. He certainly <laughs> has everything. his limit with her too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I think that's the only other person other than himself that he will uh, willingly <laughs> carry additional information about the person in his brain yeah yeah uh, so the interview continues so you're not like Antoinette Larry's assistant on the show and she said the whole crew calls her the anti-Laura because she's exactly the opposite of who I am I'm brunette and she's blonde she's always trying to be involved in Larry's life and I rarely even ask how was your weekend she's someone who sits at her desk and reads modern bride and so wow. they ask what is it like being Larry David's assistant? The first six months were a little odd, she says. When I first started working for him, he said, this will be the easiest job you'll ever have. You can even get another job. I didn't answer his phone or open <laughs> or open his mail. And that's pro he probably said that to so he wouldn't feel as bad paying her, like, not much. Um, and then slowly I started getting his lunch and running errands. It takes time for him to build trust with someone. Now we're tight about certain things. He likes to say I know more details about him than his wife does. And I guess I do when it comes to his everyday habits. He doesn't use a computer, so I think we bonded while he was writing the shows and had to dictate to me. He'll ask my opinion on sentences, which to me is amazing that he cares about my feedback, but we don't have the kind of relationship where he knows what's going on in my life, and I kind of like it that way. So he found wow. someone a little bit like he, himself, yeah. That's awesome that he yeah. found like someone so similar. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Conan's assistant, Sona. You know, yeah. like how <laughs> unimpressed like, she yeah, since is. She's like put her own persona, her, her Sona persona out through his podcast. Yeah. And like, she just doesn't give a flying fuck about anything he does. Yeah. 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 And, and also like, see, you know, part of her when she, when she talks like do, does come off as like, I am the fucking coolest. I got a cool job and how little I care about it is even cooler than the job you know what i mean like she seems yeah. she seems above it in like an annoying way but but also it seems like that the position really didn't go to her head and she doesn't like you know <laughs> like dote on him like a like a servant or something um and that's the way that conan seems to like it obviously because they've been together for millions <laughs> of years so uh, and uh, yeah. uh, fr from what i'm able to tell like from conan's persona obviously like i don't know him right but just the the listening to him and watching him for years is that he can be a bit much to yeah. work for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when he just like goes off on a bit for like an entire day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or when he like, you know, I don't know if you watched his documentary, Conan O'Brien can't stop. It's really, she's in it. I mean, that's how, and that documentary was like a million years ago. That was about his um, contractually obligated to not appear on television tour or whatever it was. Um, and she's in it, and... Is that between The Tonight Show and Conan? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and he just, like, has these bouts of self-doubt and quasi-depression, or maybe actual depression, you know, that where that he has to work through and, like, you know, uh, so much being asked of him and stuff, and, and she, you know, she knows how to work with that, I guess, which is another thing that probably keeps them together, you know. Um, so that is all from the book. You may be seated. All right. Uh, do we got any news or anything? 
I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, coming in at a, a, a nice, succinct 31 minutes. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> Uh, well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last, like I just said, 31 minutes being almost exclusively research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both those links are down in the both of those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're a Spotify person, you can just give us a five-star rating. It really does help out the show. I cannot stress that enough. helps us find new people as we continue this uh, quickly melting snowball that is somehow <laughs> still rolling down the mountain. Um, if you want to join us, for if you want to join us that's not how i typically start that off if you like this a little bit more what you can do is join us over on patreon it's patreon.com slash no hugging where for five bucks a month you get early access on every episode uh or early releases i should say um i guess the early access also works yeah doesn't it early access to every every episode we also release uh, Patreon-exclusive movie reviews, which we are gearing up to record a new one, maybe even this week, as we are <laughs> as we are recording that. I don't know. The group chat has been created, and we have batted around a couple of ideas, but there has been no date set. Yeah. But we do have a we do have a couple of ideas for the month of December for the the latter half of December. So again, that's Patreon.com/slash No Hugging. Got some fun stuff coming your way on that. All that being said, season four. Actually, I should give a shout out to our existing patrons because they pay for they pay for a shout out, and sometimes I sometimes I forget. So thank you to Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville podcast, Tim's dad and mom, John <laughs> and Kathleen Murphy, Will Hall, Danica Ligorio, and J Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, uh, Don Queso, Buck Naked, aka Nate Collins <laughs> Alt Account, and Megan Stolarski. All that being said, Season 4, Episode 9, The Survivor. Original air date, March 7th, 2004. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry contemplates a tempting offer from his Hasidic dry cleaner. Hmm. Not bad. We might be able to make it better when we unpack all of the plot lines at the end, but it's not bad. So we'll see if we can make it better at the end. We open at Ultra Clean Cleaners, which I was certain I was going to find <laughs> a mountain of information on, because not only did we have a, a, a name on the front, but also I could see the address, 13736, oh, wow. yeah, above the door, and I was like, great, let's find out everything about, and uh, I'm guessing it's fake, because I couldn't find uh, anything about Ultra Clean nothing Cleaners. Nothing at all? No, yeah, not, I, I tried again. I tried several different Google phrases, uh, even throw... Ultra clean cleaners, curb your enthusiasm in there, and yeah, I'm, I'm guessing as I and as I inspected a little closer, it looks like ultra clean cleaners might be a, a fake, plastered on, um, you know, CGI, uh, you know, storefront uh, sign. So yeah, no idea where this building is or anything, unfortunately. But that is where Larry's dry cleaner is berating her husband, and Larry is dropping off a suit for the vow renewal. 
And his dry cleaner, Anna, we find out, is flirting super hard with Larry David. She's she's into yeah, what Larry oh yeah, is throwing down. <laughs> like, not um, even, not hiding anything. No, no, just coming on pretty strong. And it wasn't until the credits that I recognized, I knew the dry cleaner was famous. And I don't even know what, did you recognize her at all? I... I didn't recognize her for any from anything. Yeah, uh, exactly. But I I did recognize her name in yes. the credits. I don't think, and I'm now looking at her IMDb. If you want to just go ahead and say her name, let's do it. Gina Gershon is her name. Yeah. And when I saw that again, I was like, oh, Gina Gershon. And then the same blank that your mind came up with. Also, I was like, of course. I was like, what? Why do I know Gina Gershon? Yeah. I, I guess looking at her IMDb, I have seen her in Showgirls. Uh-huh. Uh, and I have seen House of Versace. I don't know who was she in House of Versace. I gotta look now. I'm looking. I remember Bound was a big one for her from '96, right after Showgirls. Oh, Face Off. She's in Face Off. People, but again, I've never seen that. I think it's just a name. I think I just know her name. Slackers. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, I did see Slackers. She's girl at trendy club. I love that movie, <laughs> but I don't remember her in that at all. She's played Melania Trump in quite a few things. Huh. Oh, she's in I Want Someone to Eat Cheese With, herself as Marty's mother. That's Jeff Garland's uh, movie. Delirious. No, not the she Delirious. She was in a I single know. episode of Wilfred, a single episode of Marin. Oh, I, I loved Wilfred. Yeah, I don't, again, I, I think she's just a She was in a single episode of Eastbound and Down. Nice. Oh, two episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, she's going to be coming back. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at at everything, and it's like, I think she's just a name that I have known. <laughs> I don't know what I know her from. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what year was House of Versace? I didn't see that in her or, filmography, actually. Or wait, 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 wait. I, you know, I'm combining House of Gucci and oh. Versace, the American crime story. Right, like, which so one was she House in? Of, Google said House of Versace, but I have no idea what House of Versace is. Yeah, me neither. I don't see it in... Oh, wait, there it is. She played Donatella Versace. It was a, a television movie, a TV movie. Oh, from 2000, boo. From 2013, yeah. Boo. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah, so she's just a, an actress who just has great name recognition on this yeah, podcast. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she was... I was like, I know she's famous. And then the name, I was like, oh, that's a famous name. And like, can't... Uh, can't I don't know if I've ever seen anything that she's done. So um, yeah, but it is. It's Gina Gershon. Uh, very attractive, of course, and way out of Larry's league, but totally into Larry. Uh, over at uh, a synagogue, Larry is meeting with his rabbi and points out a picture on the rabbi's desk that turns out to be Eddie Silverman. We get a first and last name of a character we're never going to see. We're never going to meet in person. <laughs> Eddie Silverman, his brother-in-law, who died on September 11th, Uptown oh my God. on 57. Yeah, yeah. M- <laughs> makes, makes big point. He died on September 11th. Oh, my God. What was? I, I think Larry even said, was he in one of the towers? Like, yeah, yeah. No, he was Uptown. Oh, he, he was, was up- hit by a bu- <laughs> He was hit by a bike messenger, Uptown. Larry yeah. doesn't know how to respond because, I mean, obviously, like, when you're saying somebody died in September 11th, you're not saying somebody died on September 11th. Like, yeah. it, it, even in or on, whatever, it's an yeah. event. It's not like, you can't just say, the date. Yeah, he died on September 11th. Yeah, when you when you point it out like that, you know that they they mean September 11th, 2001, not September 11th of last year. Like, 2003 yeah. or whatever it would be in this case. <laughs> like, you know what, yeah, because it's still so 
even today, if you said it, like, oh, he died on September 11th, people would go, oh, my God, he was involved oh my in the God, terrorist so attacks sorry. of the yeah. World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. <laughs> oh, no, no, he died of cancer three years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, on September 11th. What do you think I meant? <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, uptown on 57th Street, so very far away from where the attack actually took place. Although, although I, I mean, we could, you could say that like the whole island of Manhattan was chaos that day, and that a bike messenger hitting a guy could be connected to the madness that was 57 <laughs> blocks away. You know, like yes, but I feel like saying the bike messenger yes. hitting a guy uptown yeah. being connected to <laughs> terrorist attacks downtown. Is like you're getting to like that sixth or seventh degrees yes. of seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like you're you're getting really thin there. I'll agree with that too, and I don't think it <laughs> negates my theory that that the you know it's like a butterfly flapping its wings on the opposite side of the earth leads to a a, a bike messenger hitting this guy. You know what I mean? Oh my god! Like it's it's that level of chaos theory um, that you'd have to do to connect this man's death to the actual terrorist attack but <laughs> um yeah he's hit by a bike I'm, messenger but and, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you i'm sure you can do that research you can yeah. like <laughs> you, you can connect that red string on that map yes to, to connect those events but oh my god it, but you're it's right. gonna be work it's gonna be work you're right the rabbi is i mean i, I hate to say wrong because he lost a family member um <laughs> But you're right. <laughs> um, so Larry, you know, th this is the rabbi that's going to do the vow renewal for, for him and Cheryl. But Larry also seeks his counsel about the 10th anniversary present. And the rabbi recounts a biblical story of Abraham and Sarah essentially giving permission to Larry, like putting his mind at ease, at least allowing him to go through with cashing in on Cheryl's 10th anniversary gift guilt free. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it tells him there's a precedent in the Old Testament with Abraham and his wife doing uh, s something very similar. And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. All right. Yeah, Sarah, who is infertile, giving Abraham permission to sleep with somebody else. And he's like, I, I think you can do this, and you're not. And Larry goes, like, I'm not a bad person. He's like, I mean, I'm a bad person, but I'm not an extra bad person. And the rabbi's like, no, <laughs> you're not an extra bad person. For Yeah, but not only that, the rabbi says, like, look, she gave you this gift as an act of generosity, so I feel like you need to accept it in the same generosity. Yeah. When he said that, I got the feeling that there was a little <laughs> bit of guy code. <laughs> like, the rabbi's a like, man, and it, he's it's, like, it's guy are you crazy? Veiled in, it, <laughs> yeah. It's guy code veiled in... Uh, r religious yeah 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 religious precedent and yeah, yeah like yeah. I get the feeling the rabbi's like as another as a fellow man if you don't do this like there was a little bit of that like, <laughs> a little bit of Jeff's looking at it you know a little bit of Jeff's uh, whole you, idea if, about the whole thing if you if you don't do this and your wife is letting you <laughs> yeah. then yeah, I will like... personally cut off your testicles yeah. I will per I will personally circumcise you <laughs> again yeah. So, uh, by the way, the rabbi wants to bring a friend to Larry's dinner party this weekend who happens to be a survivor. And Larry's like, of course, of course. And, of course, this is also, you know, you can file this under the semantics of saying September 11th. Larry mm -hmm. perceives survivor, as we've heard already in As, in as Holocaust season, survivor, yeah. As Holocaust survivor, yes. Which I... I, I didn't expect what we ended up getting, <laughs> but man, just the, the, the back and forth already with September 11th and then uh, the rabbi saying he's a survivor sets us up for such a an incredible <laughs> reveal and such an incredible like 
gag for the rest of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Not even for the rest of the episode. Like, it's revealed halfway through, I think, and we're still pretty early on. Uh, yeah. It happens pretty quickly because we get one more scene before we get to the um, dinner party. But at home, oh, okay. Larry is trying to memorize. So we do get a little movement on the producers. We find out that it's two weeks to the show, and Larry <laughs> is still trying to memorize the script. He's, st- so, he's still not off book. Yeah, this is our – and he's very distracted because Cheryl's family is in town for the vow renewal, and they're very distracting, like shouting in the hallways and stuff while Larry is trying to memorize his script. And Larry asked Cheryl, you know, he's like, the rabbi's bringing a survivor. He's like, maybe I should, maybe my dad's friend Saul should come because he's a survivor. He's like, I thought this was a funny sort of pontification. Do survivors like seeing each other? And as Larry says, talking about old times, that's how you refer to the Holocaust, (laughs) talking about old times. Do they they like seeing each other or is is it just like bad memories? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. If I was a survivor, I'd like to talk. Well, maybe not. He like can't. He's like, do, do they like seeing each other? Or is it like a bad? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he can't in his mind dis- uh, decide like which it would be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Cheryl and Larry are writing their own vows for the renewal service, and Cheryl goes over hers, including as Larry wants to stop and and discuss that they'll be together after death through all eternity. And Larry <laughs> is like, I thought this was till death do we part. You know, I didn't know it was all about eternity. I, I like where he says, I had a different plan. I was going to be single in eternity. <laughs> like, Christ. he literally has to just break it out for her like that. And as you might expect, Cheryl uh, does not receive this news well. <laughs> yeah, Larry wants her to take out the eternity part. Yeah. <laughs> like, can, can, we, can we just take out the eternity part? No. <laughs> Later, during the dinner party, the rabbi's guest turns out to be Colby... From Survivor Australia, not a Holocaust survivor. <laughs> I, I, I'm wondering if this guy actually was on, like, Survivor Australia. Oh, I can tell you that, yes, he was. Colby oh, was. okay. I believe he came in second, as he references later. I think he was one of the last two castmates on Survivor Australia, which was only the second season of Survivor. Oh. Yeah, but I was looking it up, and, and Sur- Survivor Australia also gave us Elizabeth Hasselbeck, who was not Hasselbeck at the time. She met her husband, uh, Matt, later. But, um, yeah, she was on that season. And that's, and it reminded me, so Colby being on, it reminded me of, like, because 2003 and four, like, reality TV is still kind of in its infancy. Yeah, it is. Like, I mean, very you, you much got so. Like, you've got, like, cable TV, reality TV, yeah. like, at the later end of the 90s with, like, uh, the real world. And, yeah. uh, and I don't think... Had surreal life started? Had Big Brother started yet? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Yeah, and and but, also, but this is like the the still the cusp of network reality TV. Totally. Yeah, Survivor: The Australian Outback was the second season, and that was on in two thousand one. And I just remember, and it's so funny looking back because nobody knew what to do with reality show stars. There were these people like plucked from obscurity, these everyday people, and the immediate reaction was for everybody to go, oh, they're on TV and they're famous now, so we have to put them in movies and other... Like, they're actors now. <laughs> and it wasn't until reality TV, like, really started proliferating that people were like, oh, no, they, no, they we can don't just have to disappear that, into obscurity yeah, again. <laughs> they, they're not actors. Yeah. It, it, took, it took a couple of years for people to realize, hey, 
they're not good actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, think about also like from Justin to Kelly. It was like, oh, that <laughs> they're famous now, right? And like for sure, Kelly Clarkson did become famous. You know, did become famous despite this. Yeah. Uh, and, and Justin Gore in his about. own right. You yeah, know, but not not near the level of Kelly Clarkson. But yeah, some people like some people are still able to trade on the fact that they were even to this day like oh i was on this reality show but it not it's not going to bring you the level of fame that people thought they deserved in the immediate aftermath like i remember yeah, yeah um somebody from the first season of survivor survivor was in that movie with rob schneider the animal it was like yes she's a name <laughs> and an actor now you know it's like well yeah no we're not going to we're not going to do that for all these reality shows <laughs> like they backed off of that pretty quickly but Colby certainly I mean he did have a TV show that he hosted because I was kind of looking him up um in the meantime and he hosted something on I can't remember what let me see he went on to let me see yeah there we go Elizabeth Filarski then married uh, Matt Hasselbeck Colby Donaldson hosted Top Shot which ran on the History Channel for five seasons it was a. It was, I guess, the beginning of the downfall of the History Channel because it was a reality show on the History Channel uh, <laughs> for like snipers and stuff like that. But he hosted it for, you know, for a long time, and and you know he, he luckily he was in on the ground floor of reality TV where people were like, oh, you were on TV, you're famous, get over here. It's just, a, <laughs> it was just a funny time to look back on and like, and just thank goodness that all of the executives came to their senses and were like, oh no, we can just we can just toss them back in the garbage after we're after we're done with them. <laughs> <laughs> and of course now they can just go on Instagram and sell weight loss tea and stuff. So they're still oh, getting, yeah, yeah, they're still getting there. Yeah. They're still getting their due. Don't worry. So let me see where were we after. So it's Colby from survivor and it's, it's Larry was told he was a big fan. And so Colby re- reiterates, like I am a big fan of the Seinfeld. Does he say the Seinfeld show or Seinfeld? I hope he says, he just says Seinfeld. Seinfeld. He does okay. not say Darn. the Seinfeld show. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love I that. Think- he asks, like, how is Jerry? And yeah, Larry is like I, still in shock about who this is. And he's like, <laughs> good. He's good. <laughs> Larry points out. So he goes over to talk to his dad and his friend. Uh, and for some reason, his, his friend, you know, Saul is like, oh, where's the other survivor? At this point, if I was Larry, I would have gone, oh, he couldn't show up. But instead, he does point out, you know, Colby to, oh, there he is over there. He was on Survivor Australia. And immediately, Saul <laughs> is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it would just have been like, oh, hey, he couldn't make it. Sorry, but we're glad you're here, Saul, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at dinner, the survivors, Colby and Saul, are comparing their experiences in a way like trying to, in like a competition to figure out who had it worse, the Holocaust survivor or the guy on Survivor Australia. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, he's like, well, we didn't even have snacks. And... <laughs> yeah. Oh, Christ. Yeah, it gets so bad so quick. We're sleeping. It's 115 with 100% humidity and 98 degrees at night. And uh, yeah, and and Saul (laughs) is like, it was 45 degrees below zero. It escalates to a point where gravy is splattered on Larry. And Cheryl's (laughs) mom yells, somebody get a sponge. And Larry, covered in gravy, looks at her and goes, I don't understand. Why don't you get a sponge? (laughs) That, That to me is like... On the Mount Rushmore of great moments in Curb history, <laughs> I loved that. Like, because in the in the middle of everything, like that's the most important thing now. Not that he's covered in gravy. He's like, what? I don't understand. Yeah, Why don't you? Yeah. And he's, he's absolutely right. <laughs> he's absolutely right. Uh huh. <laughs> Somebody get a sponge. I don't understand. Why don't you get a sponge? Like, it's not even about the gravy anymore. 
so the day of the vow renewal, Larry's new suit is not there uh, because Cheryl went to go pick up the dry cleaning and his suit's not there because when he dropped it off, she didn't give him... Oh, did I skip a... I must have skipped a scene where he... Yeah, where he drops off his his suit yeah. and Gina Gershon flirts with him again pretty hardcore. Anna flirts with him and says, you don't need a ticket. I know you, so you don't need a ticket. So when Cheryl goes to pick up the dry cleaning, the suit's not there because they didn't have a ticket for it. But Larry does remember that he always sees a van parked outside a house, so he knows where they live. He's going to go run and see if they'll open the store so he can get his new suit that he was going to wear. I like that. It sounds like Larry has two suits. And before this vow and renewal... That's it. Yep, he, he has only a had tan one and a black. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he got this tan suit and he doesn't you know, he wasn't going to wear his black suit, his other suit. So at the dry cleaner's house, Larry is there asking her to open the store even though it's the Sabbath and uh again Anna is coming on super strong to Larry David, even inviting him in to have a drink because her husband's not there. But Larry has to go to his vow renewal service. <laughs> so he doesn't have time for a tryst right now. Uh but evidently they uh, they do walk to the store and get the suit, and Larry is driving it home by Jeff's house when he sees him outside and calls him over and tells him that he set something up with Anna. It's going to happen. Tenth anniversary present with Anna. And <laughs> Jeff says, make sure you bring a sheet because Hasidic Jews have sex through a sheet. And Larry thinks that thinks that's a myth. But Susie walks over and confirms the belief that Hasidic Jews cut a hole in a sheet because they can't touch each other, and and that's how they have sex. And so Jeff and Larry are, are thinking that Larry better bring a, a sheet. And Larry's like, you know, should, should I cut a hole in it, or would it be nice to do together? And they, they debate whether satin sheets would be nice or whether you'd be slipping out uh, all over the place. So, <laughs> um, But evidently, it's a real thing. Uh, at home, Cheryl's mom is upset, and she's not going anywhere She's not going to the vow renewal. She's very upset with the way Larry treated her at dinner. And so Larry has to now apologize. And he really turns on the charm for Cheryl's mom and smooth things over. They end up laughing about the whole thing. Uh, In the limo on the way to the vow renewal service, um, Saul has um, an affliction that makes him shake. So the Holocaust survivor has been invited to the vow renewal service. And um, what, what is this? Do we think like Parkinson's or something? His hands are like... That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, it, it's never like confirmed. That's what it is, though. Yeah, it's just some sort of he's he's just constantly, especially his hands are are shaking, and his glass eye. It's referenced earlier that he has a glass eye. His glass eye is reflecting the sunlight into Larry's eyes, and Larry starts like flailing around trying to avoid the sun beam being beamed directly into his eyes, and Saul thinks he's mimicking and making fun of him. And so the situation gets physical again, and Cheryl uh, splashes this glass of red wine all over Larry's new suit. And Larry goes, (laughs) somebody get a sponge, (laughs) which was uh, hilarious. I love this runner through the whole thing. Uh, We're going to get another one in a second. But at the synagogue, um, this is a, a series runner that I like. Cheryl's super Christian family being confused and playing very dumb about Jewish customs. Oh, like, my God. Yeah, yeah. Like he even, Cheryl's dad <laughs> says, uh, we have to say mazel tov. Can't we just say yippee or yeah. hallelujah? <laughs> hallelujah, or with, yeah. Which, oh, my God, in our current political climate is so fucking awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Comes off as so anti-Semitic. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's, I mean. I don't think that's what he means by it, obviously, especially not at this time. But no, like, I I think so. Ooh, I think. We, you think? I think Cheryl's mom and dad are aggressively Christian. I mean, we've talked about them. Mm, and, like, people true. who watched Curb in 2004 and saw Cheryl's family, like, were not surprised at the electorate that revealed themselves in 2016, I don't think. You know? Mm. Like, I really feel like this is an early indicator of what everybody was saying in Quiet that started being said oh, very out, much out, out loud. loud. Yeah, and, yeah. He's uh, he's yeah. very dismissive of the whole thing. Well, why do you have to say it in Hebrew? Because we're in a <laughs> Jewish... Tr- why do you have to say it in Latin, motherfucker? God, yeah. like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because that's the way we do it. And we're not going to do it the way you want to do it. You go to your church and do it the way you want to do it. But no, everybody <laughs> has to confirm, conform to what the uh, Christofastists want. Um, that's right, Paul Dooley. I'm calling you <laughs> oh, Jesus just based on this scene. Um, I'm going full fascist on him. Um, yeah, they're, they're very concerned about the Jewish elements of the Jewish vow renewal ceremony, um, which, which fits in line. And it's one of the running gags that I, that I like about it. The Paul Dooley does very well. You know, they, they dismiss and deride, you know, Larry's beliefs quite regularly whenever they, they never give up a chance to do that. Um, but the rabbi sees Larry's stained suit as disrespectful and the the rabbi's like, that's a go home stain. And Larry's like, you're right. It's a go home stain, but I didn't go home. I'm here and I'm just going to have to, (laughs) you know, just going to have to sit in this now. Um, and, um, let me see where's, oh, so Larry, then, you know, they're, they're going to go out to the vow renewal and Larry goes, let's roll, which offends the rabbi because he has a brother-in-law that died on September September 11th. 11th. (laughs) Yeah. And this is where Larry decides to go like, yeah, but I mean, that was just a coincidence, (laughs) (laughs) which does still fit in with my theory that it, it, it could have been a coincidence, you know, maybe not like, I don't know, maybe that does take away too much of the caused by nine 11, but you know, um, I, you know, Larry just finally has to come out and say, like, yeah, he died on September 11th, but that was a coincidence. Yeah, Larry even uh, is like, he's like, I didn't know an uptown death on West 57th Street was part of the tragedy. Yeah. But, uh, and also, it's weird that the rabbi would, like, you're not allowed to say, let's roll, because that's what one of the people in the planes, the, you know, the guy that crashed in Shanksville said, like, yeah. why would that offend him? It's just so weird. He, he, People, people on the right are so quick to uh, demonize, oh, we can't say this anymore. But then yeah. they literally tried to keep people from saying, let's roll in 2001 yeah. and 2002. That's very like, weird. <laughs> what? Yeah. A-, a little bit forced that you'd be offended by that. But how dare you say that? You know my brother-in-law died on September. Like, what do you mean? I know, like, that's, that's something a hero said. We're not allowed to say it anymore? Um, <laughs> weird. Uh, but the rabbi is is very offended. He almost, um, you know, doesn't go through with the vow renewal ceremony, but everyone convinces him to go ahead and do it. So during the ceremony, Cheryl reads her vows, and Larry just draws a blank. And we get maybe the best pretty, pretty good of the whole series. <laughs> like This was the first time I remembered pretty, pretty good. I, I had no idea it appeared before this because it was just so good. Like, it's, I think it's been good. Like, so he starts just, like, riffing. Like, the relationship's been good. It's been pretty, pretty. <laughs> like, he does four of those. This is, and it's, it's a, awesome. It's, I think, the most exaggerated one we've gotten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why it had such a grip on my memory. Um, but he says that he'll be with her until I die. Until the day <laughs> I die. And he gets kind of a stare down from Cheryl, who is like, I said uh, 
through eternity. And Larry finally relents to life yeah, he, in eternity he reluctantly with Cheryl. agrees. They're like, <laughs> yeah. all right, eternity. <laughs> all right, eternity. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the vow renewal ceremony. <laughs> and the rabbi puts down the glass for them to step on at the end of the ceremony. And Larry steps on it and the rabbi's hand. Yeah, steps on it way too quick. The rabbi hadn't moved his hand yet. Yeah. Crushes the glass, sends shards into the rabbi's hand, oh, blood everywhere. God. Rabbi Brutal. just jumps up. He's like, my hand, my yeah. hand. You crushed I, my hand. I loved all the Jewish people in this episode going, Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> uh, Anna says it, and, and also the, the rabbi says it here. He might just yell, Jesus, Jesus. But that's very funny to me. Um, <laughs> Larry is not totally, I mean, he should have waited a second, but the rabbi does go, there we go. And that's when Larry steps on it. <laughs> he, he was listening for the audio cue. Yes. He was listening for, for an audible cue. And there we go. Should have been, hey, my hand is out of the way. Stomp yeah. away. There we go. So I don't think he is totally, totally in the wrong here. He could have waited till the rabbi stood back up for sure. Like, what's the emergency? But <laughs> um, I think the rabbi's a little bit at fault here. As Larry examines the spatter of blood on his pant leg, he yells, somebody get a sponge, and then Jesus. motions towards the mother-in-law, like, just, eh, eh, go get the, <laughs> yeah. So the St. Regis Hotel, Los Angeles, which was a 30-story hotel completed in 1984, part of the high-end luxury arm of Marriott, and... There is no more St. Regis Hotel in Los Angeles. There is still one in San Francisco. I think there's only about, there's like only 10 in North America. There's like maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 like around the world. It's not like, it's, hmm. a, it's a super upscale brand that's not in a ton of places. But this particular hotel opened in 84, shuttered in 2005. So like 20 oh. years, which is not a long time for a hotel to be around. No, not only that, but it was on the cusp of closing when this was released. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> um, and it was bought and raised for a 41-story luxury condo building that is still there. It's in Century City, and this building is called The Century. And at the time of the article I was reading, I don't know what it is now, but condos in the building that replaced the St. Regis went from $2.5 million to $25 million. Woo! And what $25 million got you was a 12,000-square-foot condo. Jesus Christ. I know. <laughs> I mean, what? Like, multiple floors got to be. Like, that's absolutely incredible. Um, but I bet I, I beautiful. Just, I, I just can't fathom any more, like, having a house more than, like, I don't know, 1,700 square feet? Because, like, our the, the house that we yeah. owned was, like, 1,500 almost exact. We're yeah. in a place that's a little smaller now um, because there's no basement. Yeah. Um, But, like, I feel like that's all that we need. I just yep. – my mind cannot imagine what you would do with an extra, like, 10,000 square feet. <laughs> yeah. Do you, just have a, do you just have a warehouse in your backyard? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, and I, I agree with you. Like when, when Sarah and I were a young couple, like we had a, we had a, a duplex that was like a thousand square feet, and that was yeah. way more. It was like three bedrooms, and we had one bedroom that was like basically just for the cats and my music and like storage. <laughs> like yeah, we, our yeah. our first uh, our first apartment that Grace and I had was six hundred and fifty square feet. It was one bedroom that did not have a locking door. 
Uh, yeah. It was the living room. We had a dining room, a kitchen, and two <laughs> <Jeez>. bathrooms. <laughs> one of yeah. which we never used. We turned one of the bathrooms into a, a makeshift closet because there was no closet space in yeah, this Yeah, that's, in this that's the trade-off you get with those small... Uh, you know those <laughs> was, smaller places, it, yeah. It, it was literally just a toilet in the closet, and we called it the closet <laughs> toilet. We called it the closet to- bathroom, yeah. <laughs> the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that that that's absolutely incredible. That is where Larry is meeting Anna, and he brings his suit to drop off with her. <laughs> So that she can take it to the dry cleaners. <laughs> and she's insulted that he would bring a suit to a, you know, a rendezvous like this. Um, he was, I, I love he's like, I, I thought I'd just save myself a trip. I'm going to see you. You're going right there afterwards, probably. <laughs> like, just take it. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, uh, I loved her line, though. Like, she just looks at Larry point blank and says, you come here to fuck or you come here to talk about your dirty suit? <laughs> yeah, and then Larry... Like ever, the repressed individual is like eh, the first one. <laughs> like he can't even say the word. He can't even say it. <laughs> yeah, the first one. <laughs> uh, so inside, Gina Gershon, uh, Anna is all ready for action in the bed, uh, and Larry comes out wrapped in a sheet with a hole in it, and uh, Anna is like, "What? What is this?" And then she's like, you, you actually believe that shit? That we have sex through a suit or, or a sheet? Um, and before they can go any further, though, with the discussion, an earthquake happens. <laughs> and so maybe God doesn't approve of what's about to happen uh, at, at the St. Regis there. And outside, Larry, still wrapped in the sheet with a hole in it, and uh, Anna are outside of the apartment building. And Colby is also there. And he goes, hey, Larry, we survived. <laughs> and that's when Frolic starts playing, and that's the end of the episode. Oh, my lord. All right, what do we got for homework this week? I didn't I didn't write anything down, because we did a, we did our dive on, on Gina Gershon. Um, I might do... I'm reticent, but we'll see what I find about Hasidic Jews and sex through a sheet, that uh, myth, and where it might have uh, started, whether there was any truth to it uh, whatsoever, and, and so on. But I'm, I'm kind of curious, so we'll see. We'll see where it leads. See where the rabbit hole takes us. But besides that, All right. nothing. All right. Uh, what do you like for cover art this week? I think, I mean, I know it's 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 one of the last shots, which we, we haven't gone back to, I feel like, in a while. But Larry, a while? Yeah. Larry and Anna outside. Larry wrapped in the sheet with the hole perfectly visible. <laughs> um I feel like that might be a good one. Yeah, um, I, think that, I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, the dinner table with uh, Colby and and Saul arguing if there's a good shot of of you know Larry in between both of them or something might be good, but yeah. All right, uh, let's see what we can do about this week's description. All right. So we had Larry contemplates attempting offer from his Hasidic dry cleaner. I feel like we have to include something about the vow renewal. Uh, let me see. What about if we just keep what we have, but we add on to the beginning while preparing. For his 10th anniversary vow renewal, comma, Larry contemplates attempting offer from his Hasidic dry cleaner. I like that. I like that. The only other storyline is the survivor thing, and that's not... I think that's best kept a, a secret. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, <laughs> I hate making it longer, but I, you know, because I, I feel like we could... Um, the week of his vow renewal, Larry... Yeah, uh, yeah, the way you said it was fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, we haven't had a, an obnoxiously bad yeah. one in a long yeah. time. It's just been like 
minor improvements, which is nice, you know? It's, uh, it's probably not, like, the best content of us just saying, mm, yeah, I don't know what we should do about this, but... It's uh, right. It it shows promise that they are are knowing what is going on in the episodes that they're producing. I guess. <laughs> I I was gonna say like the week of his vow renewals, Larry angers share angers his mother in law and flirts with his dry cleaner. That's so long. That's too long. To... I, I feel like that, I shortened that's so it. So long. The I, week I, of his vow renewals, Larry angers his mother in law and flirts with his dry cleaner. But that's too long. But that's what I was gonna do. So I'm not married to it. But that's what I was about to do before I was like, it's fine. Well, that plus, I don't really feel it. Only comes up like twice. I don't yeah. think. I don't think his mother-in-law is a is a key yeah. story in this. I wanted to include something about how his suit kept getting ruined, but that's the best <laughs> I could do. So, besides the week of his valor renewals, Larry, Larry's suit keeps getting ruined, and he flirts with his dry cleaner. But we don't have to. We don't have to do any of that. Pretend I never said it. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right, Tim. Did you like this episode? Yes. Yeah, I did. I mean, while we were talking about it, I was tempted to give it a star, but I think I'm just going to say the exact same thing that I did last weekend. This is a, an above-average episode of Curb, which I hope eventually becomes the average episode of Curb, just like great episodes became the average episode of, of Seinfeld. Like, you mm-hmm. know, we, we've had some some less than average, some less than great episodes of Curb, but I hope they're setting a nice baseline here now that we've had, a, a you know, a great run of episodes. And even the ones that I, I don't want to give a star have been hilarious i i loved this episode i love how everything i love that that jokes run throughout the episode i love that everything comes full circle at the end and um and and that larry you know at least we had a little storyline movement and larry once again fails with a woman who was a 100 percent sure thing and larry finds a way to screw it up or the universe finds a way to screw it up for larry um although the sheet conversation wasn't going to get any better so the fact that the earthquake no. happened was only like maybe saving him um, so yeah, I, I think this is just a great above average episode. What about you? I ended up giving this a star. They cannot blame you. So, I, and I, I, it might be a high star. It does not replace my, my star upward arrow, uh, yeah. for early on in the season for my immediately to the top of the season so far. Right. So I, I think it's gotta be a solid number two. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with a solid number two. No, that's best case scenario. <laughs> I, I'd rather have a solid number two than a loose number two. That is yeah. for sure. Totally, totally. Yeah. All right. No, I, I can't blame you. I agree with your star uh, rating. All right. Uh, next week, and this is the the part that I, I really wanted to um, bring up to your attention. Next yeah. week, we've got season four, episode ten, the season four finale, titled "Opening Night." Ah. Aired date March fourteenth, two thousand and four. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see in the season four finale, Larry opens in the producers on Broadway. Yeah, we're going to. Was was I mistaken this whole time and that it was an L.A. production? Yeah. We've been in L.A. for every rehearsal. Yeah, no, it's always been. It's always been a Broadway? Yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I thought, thought because even whenever Larry went to see the show, I thought he was in L.A. He was. Yeah, he was. Because there was an L.A. production going on, but it was always... I remember... I, th- um, I thought he was taking over that role in that production in L.A. No, it's it was it's the New York production, and one, uh, one other scene Christ. where it comes okay. up is Cheryl and Ben Stiller's wife, Christine, talking about apartments and where they're going to live in New York, and we'll, well, let's all talk about... <sighs> let's talk about that later, where, you know, apartments and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's always been New York. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> But I mean, I thought we had a whole. I'm the season. dumb one. 
in New. I really thought like we had a whole season in New York, but it seems like we're only gonna have one episode. Maybe maybe season five continues on with the producers, but like that's other what I was going wondering. on in the background. Yeah. That's what I'm wondering, but I really think we're just gonna have one, <laughs> one, one episode in New York. Yeah, um, there, there I, is. I gotta point out, there is one episode that I have uh, been thinking about. Well, one episode of Curb that I can definitely remember watching with one person oh. that does take place in New York that has not happened yet, and it's not next week's. Oh, so I'm wondering, like, when we're gonna get to that? Okay, all right. Well, maybe season five does take place in New York, but um, I think it'd be funnier if. Larry only lasts one performance in the producers. I don't remember what happens, but um, <laughs> well, what I do like is last season season finale was also called opening night, right? About the restaurant. Oh my god! Like, was so that's, it? I yeah. think it was. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, it was called the grand opening. Oh, the grand opening! Damn. Yeah. Ah, oh, so close. What a, oh, damn it. it! It makes more sense for last season's episode to be called opening night, but they probably didn't know that they were going to be, uh, you know doing that so i this one it wouldn't make sense to call the grand opening but i wish both were called opening <laughs> night oh well similar titles anyway oh uh, all right um that's all i got <laughs> all right we'll find out about all that next week uh is that it yeah i think that's it all right for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy i'm ted hallwell be good be good